Our Old Testament reading today comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17, and this is right after we find the narrative where the colossal giant Goliath is taunting the armies of Israel. And David, this young man that we saw last week, was anointed king when when Samuel found out that God looks at the inner qualities and not just on the outside, David says, with the skills that I have, with the resources that I have, with God on my side, I can do this. And Saul thinks, sure you can. But as we read today, this familiar lesson, I invite you to Let this play out in your mind's eye and see see what the Scriptures are describing. David, young David, said to King Saul, Let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me... I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the paw, the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronzed helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor, and he tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I'm not used to them. So David removed them, and then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 
This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine drew nearer to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, how vivid your word is when it describes to us the reality of battle. How strange to see battlefield tales in our book of faith. And yet you, O oh God, are Lord of history. And you, O oh God, direct the rise and falls of kingdoms. You, O oh God, direct the flow of history. First, giving us a people that you called your own. Giving them a law and giving them prophets to interpret this law. And then through this people, you work in history through the birth of a baby in Bethlehem the descendant of David, whom we worship and adore as King, as Savior, as Lord, as Messiah. And so today, O oh Lord, use your servants' lips and your people's ears and hearts that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. If you read the Bible every year between the time you're 25 years old and 95 years old, something will happen every time you read it. Because the words from God, the Word of the Lord, is fresh, it's new, and whether you're reading it for the first or the 21st or the 91st time, there will always be some way that God can speak to you through His Word. This particular narrative could be taken in any number of ways. 25 sermons could be preached on it week after week after week. But today I want to focus on three things. On five small stones, on David's personal history and his vocation, what it is he'd been through, and God. First of all, we need to recognize that in the ancient world there are different ways of fighting. The way we all think about one army comes down the hill and another army comes down another hill and there's this enormous, enormous fight down in the valley. Now that's one way of fighting. That's army versus army. 
But just imagine if this was the only kind of fighting that people did. Imagine the mangled men who would return, even return victorious. Those who were unable to farm anymore. Those who were unable to provide for their families anymore. So even the ancient people knew that it was a bad idea for all of the guys who went to war to come back injured. And so, two other ways of fighting appeared in the ancient world. One of those was where a small representative group from each army would hold a battle. And the winner of that particular battle would be declared the victor. And so we'll have a certain number of people from Moab, a certain number of people from Israel, and they would just fight it out, and the winner is determined to be the winner. The other way of fighting was to take the champion from each side, one representative from Israel, one representative from the Philistines, And this one-on-one contest would determine whether or not the Philistines or the Israelites were victorious. And that's what we see here. Champion against champion. The problem is that the Philistines have this enormous champion whose height and whose size is is emphasized again and again in the text. And we have the Israelites who are watching this enormous Philistine come out and taunt them day by day, and there's no one found in Israel who volunteers to go out and be the one to engage in one-on-one champion-to-champion warfare. And that's when... David comes in. We see that David has already been anointed king over Israel. We know that there is a special way that the Bible is going to present David as king over Israel. And we see here that David, this youngster who who goes out to watch the fight, looks at the giant... And he says to Saul, I'll take him on. And Saul, this is the Chris Morgan paraphrase, says, sure you will. David says, no, I'm not kidding. And he tells this story. Now, the story is the story of a particular battle, but the giant represents whether it's in our Bible reading today or whether it's in a fairy tale or whether it's in some kind of novel that you're reading, the giant generally represents in a metaphorical way, not just in a literal way, but the giant represents the impossible, if not impossible, at least the improbable. When you and I face giants, we are facing, if not the impossible, the improbable, just like... David, young David, facing the giant Goliath. It's perfectly reasonable for us to say that the giant Goliath fell because of five small stones. In fact, it's 
impossible to say that the giant fell because of one small stone. Look at the vividness in this language as it describes how David chooses these stones and then uses them. So David took his staff in his hand and he chose five small stones from the wadi and he put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Fast forward nine verses. David put his hand in the bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. I was in Israel a number of years ago when someone was trying to sell me a slingshot. Well, I thought that I could buy some slingshots and I could be father of the year. And this guy, all he did for hours a day was take small stones and sling them here and there. And he was incredibly accurate. He could, he could hit a, a target probably 200 to 250 feet away. He could miss the people who were walking around down there. It made me really nervous as he was slinging the stones and there were people who were not necessarily getting out of the way, but they knew how, how good he was. So I bought three of these goat hair slingshots. That was probably a bad idea for any number of reasons, to bring your children home slingshots, but they never got a chance to play with them because my dog smelled goat hair as soon as I walked in the door and would not leave my luggage alone until I had opened it and the dog absconded with all three of the goat hair slingshots and by the time she was done, there was nothing left. The ability to use a slingshot and to use it well was a recognized skill in the ancient world. In fact, the tribe of Benjamin had this wonderful class of, of extreme warriors. The Navy Seals of the tribe of Benjamin. And look at how they are described. Of all this force, there were 700 picked men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. Goliath fell because of five small stones. Goliath fell because of what David had, the resources that he had to use. Now, he tried to use resources that weren't necessarily his own. We might wonder if Saul was in fact mocking David. When David comes in and says, sure, I'll fight him, I'll put on the armor says Saul. And Saul gives him his armor. And Saul is about this tall. We remember that Saul becomes king because he's head and shoulders above everybody else. And everybody says, well, he ought to be king. And so Samuel anoints him king. David, on the other hand, is just a youth. He might be a handsome and ruddy youth, but he's just a youth. And when he puts on Saul's armor, things don't work out so well. 
He's like, I can't even walk. How can I fight if I can't even walk? And he takes off Saul's armor and he says, I'm going to do this my way. And he walks down to the wadi, this dry stream bed, and he picks up five smooth, small stones. And Goliath falls because David has small stones. We might equally say that Goliath fell because David was prepared. David was ready. David's personal history gave him the tools to face the giant. Now, we have to have the proper tools to do what God calls us to do. David's personal history gives him the tools to go after the dangerous. David says to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, David says. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them since he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, the Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the paw of this Philistine. Can you imagine Saul chuckling? Go. God be with you, child. I fear this won't end well. Goliath fell because David was prepared. There are ways that you are prepared to do the will of God that you might not even understand. I knew a young man years ago who wanted to be a youth minister. He was on track to be a youth minister and he didn't realize that he needed to go to court to pay a a traffic violation and a bench warrant had been issued for his arrest because he didn't show up in court and here he was driving and he was speeding and and the police officer pulled him over and says there's a warrant for your arrest and he he wound up in jail overnight he called me not long after that he said my dream is always to be a youth pastor and here I have spent a night in jail I'm so sorry. I don't know why he thought he had to apologize to me. But he said, I am so sorry for letting you and everybody down. I said, you're going to be a youth minister one day. And you're going to go to the jail to pick somebody up who has done something that they shouldn't have done. And you'll be able to say something that I would not be able to say, which is, I know what this is like and God loves you still David's history what he'd been through prepared him for that particular moment David's being a shepherd for his father's flock 
prepared him to tend the flock of God. All that had happened in David's life to that point prepared him to become king and to lead the armies of Israel. We're all prepared in different ways. Some of us have been through clinical depression and can say to others, you know, there's hope. Some of us have not gotten things right the first or second or third time, but fourth time is a charm, and we've, we've been, been steady for a while, and God can use us to show others how one or two or three mistakes doesn't mean life is over. Some of us have had financial troubles, health problems. How's God preparing you? What's God preparing you for? Goliath fell because David was being prepared his whole life long. Goliath fell because God was at work. Now I'm going to step aside from preaching here for a minute and I'm going to become like an Old Testament Bible teacher here. But you can see in Psalm 124 that a lot of the ancient Hebrews had the Psalms memorized, just like you have certain songs memorized. And if Heidi stood up here right now and said, let's sing Amazing Grace, Stan would begin to play and Alice, and we'd sing Amazing Grace. Now verse 4, some of you might not know. But I bet that most of us could get through verses 1, 2, and 3. Okay, here's what's happening in Psalm 124. The leader stands up and says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, that's the name of the song we're about to sing, let Israel now say, Israel begins to sing the song. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when our enemies attacked us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us, and then the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us, and then over us would have gone the raging waters. Israel is convinced that God is at work in their history, and that if God had not been at work in their history, this this tiny people, these descendants of Abraham, this people that lived on a small plot of land to the east of the Mediterranean Sea, would never have become the people who gave us the law and the prophets and the Messiah. The book of Proverbs puts it this way. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. The Lord is active in history. Psalms put it this way. Some take pride in chariots and some in horses, but our pride is in the name of the Lord our God. And earlier after the anointing scene... King Saul wants a personal musician. 
I know how that is. New Orleans is my favorite American city, and I love to take a journal out on the street and give a street musician $20 to just play for me for an hour. I've come to realize that they want $20 plus some for an hour. But King Saul wanted a personal musician, and so here's how David is described. One of the young men answered, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing. And look at this description of David. A man of valor, a warrior, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. David says, The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul says to David, Go. May the Lord be with you. Goliath falls because of five small stones. Goliath falls because David is prepared. And Goliath falls because God is at work. The place where these three meet is often the place where you and I find our deep joy and our vocation. What does God want me to do in the next month of my life? What does God want me to be in the next year of my life? Where these three meet we can find an answer to that question. Where God's will meets our history with the resources available to us. This is a good place to look for God's calling. Where God's will is that intersects with our history with the resources that are available to us. I know that means that God is not calling me to give $2.7 million to Asbury Seminary, no matter how much I like Asbury Seminary and appreciate the education that they offered me. God's not calling me there for obvious reasons. I don't have the resources. God's not calling me to be someone who has hit rock bottom and spent time in, in, in rehab and is saying to other people, you can do this. If I can, you can too, because that's not a part of my history. God's not calling me to make all of life about myself. That's not God's will. But where God's will, in our history, what we've learned who we are, based on all of the experiences, good and bad, that we've had, based on all of our tears and all of our laughter, based on our education and where we've lived, based on the things that we've learned that we wish we'd learned before. The place where these three meet may well represent the place of God's call on your life. What resources are available to you? 
what is your unique take on the world because you've had an experience that very few people have or you've had a very common experience that very few people talk about what's God's will that is to be presented to us in history that is to be presented to us as men and women of faith Goliath fell because of five small stones the resources of a young man Goliath fell because David was prepared and all of life had brought him to that point Goliath fell because God was at work. What giants do you need to face? And to what is God calling you? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, some of the text is vivid in describing the acts of war in the ancient world. Some of the text may make us uncomfortable. It's a holy book with descriptions of battle. And yet, O oh Lord, you call us. You call us to read and study your word and to hear your voice speaking through these sacred words. Give us a sense of our vocation where your will, our history, and our resources come together to bring us a fire, a passion to be who you've made us to be. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.